This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. What we see in verse 6 is a godly principle. I believe that it's a principle of God's Word that if you and I, as His children, don't seek to serve Him and follow Him, and everything that we're doing, again, is in a, in a material way, we are not going to prosper. And what we do prosper will not satisfy, will not, again, be enough for us. Because, again, the Lord is our sufficiency. How much time are you spending on your career? How about your hobbies? How much time do you spend in front of the television? Now, how much time do you spend furthering God's kingdom? In his word, in prayer. A little convicting, huh? Well, as we begin our study in Haggai, we learn that once again the nation of Israel, despite all of God's mercies, are putting other things as priorities above God. But God won't bless that kind of behavior. The only way for us to live a full life is to keep God first. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Haggai, chapter 1, verse 1, for today's study. We've been through a study on uh, the minor prophets, majoring in the minors. We are actually to the last three books of the minor prophets right now, and tonight we're going to be looking at uh, Haggai. So if you don't know where Haggai is, go to Matthew, turn left, okay, about three streets down, Haggai, okay, Malachi, Zechariah, and Haggai. So as we uh, look at uh, this tonight, I want to kind of bring kind of a thought to you tonight. I was uh, talking with a guy that I know just this last week, and he was wondering why his life was in such confusion and kind of a mess, you know. Things just weren't happening the way that he knew that they ought to be happening. And he said, and the Lord revealed to him that it wasn't coming together in his life, in his relationship, in his finances and everything else. It wasn't happening there because it wasn't happening for him spiritually. He wasn't his, he knew that he was off track spiritually and the impact of that was impacting every other aspect of his life. One of the worst places that you and I can be as believers is outside of obedience to Christ because we're not going to find peace in the world and we're ne- definitely not finding peace and, and strength in the spirit at that time. We, we suddenly allow ourselves to be between the two. And again, the world, the world, don't ever tell the world outside of Christ that, uh, you can't have fun in the world. The, the world has fun. The world can find, uh, for themselves as far as they know, they can find a completeness as far as they know. Because they've never experienced anything other than that. But once you come to Christ and you know the, the fullness of what a heart given to Christ is all about and you try to walk back in the world, suddenly you realize those things are so empty and so vain and man, the pleasures, but, but for a moment and then the, the consequences of that, the, the results of those choices then suddenly begin piling up on us because we know if we are the Lord's, He will not let us go and He becomes that very hound of heaven coming at us one more time to draw us back to Himself, revealing 
revealing himself to us. We look at the children of Israel and as we've been going through the minor prophets, we've talked about, again, the, the northern kingdom, Israel, and how God had warned them and warned them, but because they continued to turn their back continually against the things of God. All of their worship was idol worship. None of their kings were righteous. The people of the land were going further and further away from what the, the fathers had, had given them and purposed for them. And so when God brought judgment on Israel, that northern kingdom, he continued pleading with the southern kingdom. He continued saying, your, your sin is uh, again going to be judged, but if you'll turn back, if you'll come back we just looked at that uh, the the other day it says again turn back when we were looking at zephaniah he says oh you undesirable nation he's talking to judah and he says before the decree is issued before the lord's fierce anger comes before the day comes seek the lord so he says you you've got a chance here turn back but we know historically that they didn't and so years after israel falls and 586 Jerusalem falls and actually the uh the portions of it had had already been under attack for a while Jerusalem thought that they were strong within themselves they thought that they could stand against the attacks of the Babylonian empire Nebuchadnezzar and all of his army but God says you know your your strength is nothing when it comes to my judgment against you and so God took them into exile. They were, they were captured. There were a people that, that were totally defeated. Uh, the Babylonians came in, totally destroyed the city of Jerusalem, totally destroyed the temple, their place of worship that they had already turned into pagan and, and idol worship and, and perverted worship. God just destroyed that building, destroyed the city, and took a huge portion of them into exile up into uh, Babylon and into that area. The judgment of God, he had already told him that that judgment would be for 70 years. And it's interesting that, that God's promise to them, it was true. It was 70 years later that God allowed them to start coming back into the land. And you can go back and you can read the book of Ezra and Esther and Nehemiah. You can see how God started forming and fashioning and bringing them back into the land. Well, now we're at these last three minor prophets, and they are actually post-exile prophecies. In other words, they are returning back from exile. They're rebuilding the city, rebuilding the temple when we get to these particular writings. And when we look at it again, we, we, we understand that there's, there's a lot of work to be done because as they come into that land, it had been totally destroyed. And it had been that way for 70 years. And again, there, there was a scattering of of, again, the Jewish people that were left there, but there was no strength there. There was no real true worship at all going on there. God had to go and do a whole new thing, rebuild them totally and completely. I want to look tonight not only at the historical aspect of what Haggai speaks about here, but I want us to also look at in our own personal lives. What is it saying to, to us? In Haggai, it starts talking about rebuilding the, again, that, uh, the, the house of the Lord. Well, keep your place in Haggai. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2, if you would. Ephesians chapter 2, just a short passage here 
but to help you to understand the importance of what we speak about here when we start about rebuilding the temple, rebuilding the house of God. Throughout the New Testament, Paul reminds us that God no longer dwells in temples made with hands, but he dwells now in our hearts. We now are, as believers, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the house of God ourselves. Now, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, he says, Now, therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We've been talking about off and on through this, not only that uh, we are the bride of Christ, and we talk about, well, yeah, sometimes it's kind of difficult for guys to get their heads wrapped around that I'm I'm the bride of Christ, and how does that work? And uh, But guys, you can really relate, hopefully, to you are the building of Christ, okay? You are the building of Christ. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that's what I want us to remember as we look at this. The book of Haggai in chapter 1 it's interesting. Haggai, very, very short. His his whole ministry probably just just a, a couple of years. And one of the reasons we know that is because he dates everything for us. It's really clear as when his writing was and how long his ministry lasted because he tells us when it started and pretty much when it ended. In chapter one, verse one, he says it was in the second year of. King Darius in the sixth month and on the first day of the month. And so historians tell us that this is probably around 520 B.C., in that area of about 520 B.C. So the second year of King Darius, this isn't the Darius of Daniel, this is another Darius, of the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, who is governor of Judah and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, who was the high priest. So there's there's three characters that we see here right off the bat. We've got Haggai, we've got Zerubbabel, the, the governor, and now we've got Joshua, who is the high priest at that time. There's another thing that I want you to look at here. Right here in that first verse, he says that the word of the Lord came to Haggai. It's interesting, there's... there's I, I had to count them, and yes, I used my calculator to figure it all out, but there's about 34 verses that are in the entire book of Haggai. In that book, 28, in, no, I'm sorry, just 38. I, I knew I'd get it wrong if I didn't write it down. There's, I think there's 38 verses. What is it? Okay, you guys cover with me. You're my Wednesday night crowd. I've got 15 plus 23. Okay, so 38, right? Okay, good, okay. They've got to correct me every once in a while. 38 verses, and no less than 24 times do we read the word of the Lord, or the Lord said, spoke about it. So the very focus in all of this is the word of God coming to the people of God at this time of rebuilding. Guys, what are the things that I know that in our life, the very thing that's going to strengthen you and I in our life, equip us, empower us against the attack of the enemy, give us, uh, again, strength and direction and purpose in life, is the Word of God. Learning it, 
memorizing it, understanding it, studying it. A quick Bible reading is great. We need to do that. You need to be reading through your Bible. But you know what? If you're not studying the Word of God beyond Wednesday night, beyond Sunday morning, beyond the ladies' studies, and it's kind of interesting. I, I had like six ladies uh, tonight said, oh, I just so love Tot's uh, teaching, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you're blessed. I'm blessed, too, and everything I've learned, I've been able to learn from her. So uh, it's, it's, it's been great. But it's the Word of God that's going to make the impact in your life. Not just sitting back and listening to it, but allowing that word to dwell in you richly, to really impact your life. So here in this verse, first verse, Haggai, the word of the Lord came to Haggai, who is the prophet of Zerubbabel, the son of Shatiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, here it is again, thus says the Lord. And I love the fact that Haggai is not saying anything other than what the Lord is speaking. He knows that's where the strength is, that's where the wisdom is, that's where the change is going to be in the people of God, is in the word of the Lord. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Verse 3, I'll come back in a moment. Then the word of the Lord came, again, the word of the Lord came, by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, again, the Lord speaking, consider your ways. Guys, I've, I've, I've been in church all my life. Okay, I've been in various styles, forms of church quite a bit through the years. And it grieves my heart when I hear pastors use this as the catapult for their building program. Okay? Uh, that they say, hey, you know, all you guys are living in nice houses. Well, we got this big church we need to build. It's time for you to forget about that and start putting. That's not what he's speaking about here. What he's speaking about is your lives in Christ. What he's speaking about here is your spiritual life versus your material life. And that's what I want us to focus on and understand as he is talking to the people, the Jews that have come back into captivity. They've gotten comfortable back in the land. We could go back and look at Ezra. We find out that, hey, they they had put together the, the altars and they had started worshiping again. But they hadn't done much else. And then they started and they, they, they put the foundation down of the temple and maybe just a row or so of stones there, but not much else. And then they got comfortable. They had just enough religion, just enough to satisfy them, but not really complete obedience to the Lord. Because again, in that time frame, God still wanted them to build the temple. Again, that was that place of focus, that place of worship for the people. And the people had, in essence, pretty well, not only had they gotten satisfied, but they had gotten pretty lazy because it had become so easy for them. Some of them have even gotten to that point where, again, there, there, there's nothing else really that I need to do. We, we built a little altar. That's fine. That's all I need. There, the sad part is that there's so many believers that say, you know what? I said that prayer at that altar 20 years ago. That's all I need. I, I, I read that little pamphlet. I 
signed my name on the back. I mailed it away someplace. That's all I need. It's just I've done the main thing that needed to be done. I don't need anything else. And yet we read through the word of God and we understand, no, that should be just the beginning point. That should be the, the catalyst for the rest of your life, not the completed portion. The sad thing is so many believers, they figure just that they, they, they purchase this, you know, this ticket to heaven and they just got it in their back pocket and when they need it, they'll be able to pull it out and ready to go. But for you and I walking in the Lord, serving the Lord, being a part of the family of God, it's so much more than that. And I believe that true believers understand that. He goes on and he tells them, I'll back up a little bit. Verse 2, he says, thus speaks the Lord, both saying, this people says, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Again, it's because they'd gotten into that comfort zone and they were satisfied. Some might have thought, well, there's others that are yet returning from Babylon. They haven't come back yet. So there's no real need to, to build the Lord's house yet. Let's wait till everybody gets back. And again, there's believers today that are living their lives without, uh, again, that eminence of the soon return of Christ, like we've been talking on Sunday morning. Oh, we've got plenty of time. I've got plenty of time to get my act together. Right now, there's too many things in the world that I'm involved with. I don't want to give up this. I don't want to give up that. I don't want to focus. I don't want to dial into that area, that spiritual area of my life. And yet, all the time, man, the Lord say, what do you mean it's not time yet? What do you mean it's not time yet? Today, right now, is the time. He says in verse 3, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet saying, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. It's time to get on a move. Then God says in verse 6, you have sown much, yet you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Beloved, I believe that what we see in verse 6 is a godly principle. I believe that it's a principle of God's word. That if you and I, as his children, don't seek to serve him and follow him, and everything that we're doing, again, is in in a material way, We are not going to prosper. And what we do prosper will not satisfy, will not, again, be enough for us. Because, again, the Lord is our sufficiency. Now, does that mean we shouldn't take care of things? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is these guys were so, again, moved into that that whole realm of, of material gain that their spiritual life was lacking so desperately. And so that material gain became so empty. Again, it wasn't enough. They weren't filled enough. They weren't warm enough. And even the wages that they had, it was like putting money in in a bag with a a hole in it. Verse 7, here again he says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Twice now within just a couple of verses. Consider your ways. Consider your ways. The old saying is is that uh, sin will keep you from this book, but this book will keep you from sin because it will cause you to consider your ways. 
And if you don't want to consider your ways, then don't read this book. Because this book not only reveals God and Christ, but it also reveals my heart. It reveals, again, that, that just the, the desperateness of my heart. And again, the, the plan and the focus of God. He says, consider your ways. Verse 8, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when it, when you brought it home, I blew it away. God is speaking here. He says, why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruits. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains and on the grain and the new wine and the oil and on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. We even sang about, man, there's that drought and I just want that flood. I want that flood of the Spirit over me. You wonder, why, man, I just don't feel the, the joy of the Lord. I don't feel, you know, this, this strength of the Lord in my life. What are you investing your life into? What are you investing your time into? What's the focus of your life? He says, man, you took the, the effort to go and do all of this. He says, you went, you looked for much, but it came to little. Whatever you got, I, you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Because again, you're neglecting the most important thing. And that's your own personal spiritual life. For them, it was the building of the temple. For you and I, the temple of the Lord is again within our lives. And where are we building? Where are we strengthening? Think about that just for a moment, if you would. Just pause for a second. Think about that. You don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to tell me your sin. We'll do that a little bit later. No. Uh, just think about it for a moment. Where have you, just do a little mental calculating, where have you, over this last week, added to the inventory of your spiritual growth Versus where have you added to the inventory of just your physical pleasure or physical gain? Just pondering those two things. You know, hey, you know, I know the ladies just came back from a a great weekend up at the women's retreat. What a great deal. Took time, took uh, 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 expense, everything to go up there. That's adding to your spiritual growth. I, I know that in one way I, I speak to the choir. You're here tonight. The message on maybe ought to go. Uh, hey, everybody that's not here, you know, if you if you get the video, maybe no. Uh, if again, maybe it's not you. Maybe you are here because you know, man. I want to add to that inventory of my spiritual growth. But guys, neither am I naive enough to know that just because somebody's at church on a Sunday or at church on a Wednesday at a men's Bible study or at a women's Bible study, that they are really gaining and growing in their spiritual growth. A lot of times we go through the motions. And going through the motions just doesn't cut it. And you know that yourself. If you're like me, you've been there, you've done that, you got a whole lot of T-shirts in your closet of just going through the motions and it not being real. He says, I've caused a drought in the land. I've, I've caused a drying up of the, the new wine and the oil. Anything that the ground would bring together. All that your hands labor. Verse 12. 
Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shatiel, the who is the governor, and Joshua, who is the high priest, the son of Jeho- Jehozadak, the high priest. With all the remnant of the people, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. In these perilous times that we live in, how can we know for sure what is to come? The 12 Minor Prophets highlight many future events that will bolster our faith as we study them. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to the Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to the Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to TheOpenWord.com. Click on the podcast option on the homepage or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard the open word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you.